Turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. I'm going to start off with a PSA, a public service announcement. Never spell part, P-A-R-T, never spell part backwards. It's a trap. A man was a prisoner in Iraq for 10 years. When he was asked, how did you escape Iraq? The man simply replied, I ran. He ran, Brandy. Amen. Last week, I laid the foundation for our message that we're going to pick up this week called, Which Road Are You On? Which Road Are You On? Now, in our nation, there is an enormous amount of roadways. In fact, the United States has by far the largest roadway system in the entire world. We have almost 5 million miles. Understand how massive that number is. Almost 5 million miles of roadway in the United States. What is the most heavily traveled? It's in Los Angeles. It's the 405 freeway. And they have over 500,000 travelers every single day. Over half a million people travel that one highway every single day. Now, these roadways are full of people going here and there, going to and fro. Some of those highways are just beautiful and nice, while others are treacherous and dangerous. And Jesus gives us that same warning about the road of life. And we're going to pick up in Matthew 7, starting at verses, uh, we're just going to read verses 13 and 14. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, as we look here, right off the bat, verse 13, Jesus tells us, he says, enter by the narrow gate. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Enter in by the narrow gate. That's Jesus' plea for all of us. Amen? Who is Jesus speaking to? Every single one of us. When he says, enter in. And which gate does he want us to enter in? The narrow gate. Amen? He wants us to enter the narrow gate. That's his heart's desire for us all. He wants all of us to enter into eternal life. He wants all of us on the Lord's highway. Now, we get another glimpse of this highway in Isaiah chapter 35. Listen to what God says starting at verse 8. Isaiah 35 verse 8. A highway shall be there. And a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. 
The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It's my prayer that each and every one of you have your feet firmly planted on this highway in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord's highway, the the highway of holiness, the difficult way, entered through the narrow gate. If not, I pray that you make that decision today. Amen? It's that important. First thing I want us to see this morning is that we must make a decision. We must choose. Right in verse 13, again, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. Again, who's he talking to? All of us, all of mankind. Jesus is talking to every single person. And he's telling us that there is a decision that we must make. What is that decision? He puts two choices before us, doesn't he? We have the broad way, the broad road, or we have this narrow gate that goes the difficult way, the difficult road. In reality, Jesus is simply clarifying, and he's making it very plain. He said, one leads to destruction. And that destruction, he's talking about spiritual, eternal death. He's talking about it leads straight to hell. The second path, the second road, the second way is the narrow gate. The difficult way. And that one leads to life eternal. Amen? That is the way to heaven. The Bible makes it very clear that there are only two ways. There are only two roads in our walk of life. It's either that broad way with the wide gate, or it's the difficult way with the narrow gate. That's it. Amen? Two choices, two ways in life. And if you tell people that, if you, if you go out and talk to people and you witness to people and you tell them that, most people are offended by that truth, aren't they? Ah, oh, that's too narrow-minded. They don't like to hear that there is only one way to heaven. Why? Because as humans, as mankind, as our human nature, we prefer multiple choices, don't we? Amen. That's why when we go to the grocery store, you can pick from 10 different varieties of rice. Amen. A hundred different varieties of cereal. We love choices and we want multiple choices. We also like to categorize things and even people, don't we? We put people in upper class, middle class, and lower class. We like to categorize things and people. But God doesn't. He does not. God never divides mankind horizontally. Amen? He only divides us vertically. We have to understand that. Right and left, 
If you read in the Bible, Jesus, through his ministry, he will always divide vertically, right and left, sheep and goats, wheat and tares, saved and lost. Amen? That's it. God will only divide us vertically, not horizontally. Only vertically. And you'll also notice that Jesus never ever spoke or preached to please the crowd, did he? Never. Never. He never mixed words. He never watered down his message. He explained things very cut and dry. He explained things very black and white. He didn't leave things up to a gray area, up to interpretation. In fact, the Bible says there is only one interpretation, and that is what God meant to say, plain and simple. Amen? Not how we want to interpret it, or this is how I read it, and and this is the God that I choose to serve. That's not this God. Amen? Plain and simple. Now take our current passage of scripture in in Matthew uh, chapter 7, for example. We see right in verses 13 and 14, the two verses that we read, that God gives us two kinds of travelers, doesn't he? And also in those two verses, he gives us two ways or two roads. So we have two travelers, two roads. Now if we skip down, look at verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. How many kinds of trees? Two. A good tree and a bad tree. One bears good fruit, the good tree. The bad tree bears bad fruit. Skip down to verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does, uh, does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock, Jesus Christ himself. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house, and it fell, and great was It's fall. What do we see in those verses? Two kind of builders, wise and foolish, on two different foundations. The rock, Jesus Christ, or the sinking sand, the world. Amen? You see how God does it? You see it there? That's how God does things. Never horizontally, only vertically. Cut and dry, black and white, plain and simple. You know, even in our churches, even as as Christians today, we like to say that there's young and old, right? There's rich and poor, weak and strong. That's not vertically, that's horizontally. That's just our human nature. But in God's eyes, there are only two kinds of people that go to church. There are only two kinds of people that are here today. The saints... And the ain'ts. Amen? The saints and the ain'ts. Those who are saved and those who are lost. Those with Jesus Christ and those without Jesus Christ. 
Those receiving Jesus Christ and those rejecting Jesus Christ. Those on the road to heaven or those on the road to hell. That's it. Amen? Only two groups of people in the eyes of God. Either you're saved or you're unsaved. So what we need to understand right now, you and I, we right now are on one of these roads. We are either on the Lord's highway, that highway of righteousness, that uh, walking through that narrow gate on the difficult way, or we are on that broad way with the rest of the world. That wide gate, the very accommodating gate. That's it. All of us, we are on one or two of those roads. Now, when I say that, I can, I can hear the world just moan, right? Preacher, that's just too narrow-minded. That's unaccommodating. We're all heading to the same place, just on different roads, they'll tell you. But that's contrary to Christ himself, amen? That's contrary to the word of God. My job is to tell you what God says, not what my opinion is, not what I believe, not what I think. My job is to tell you exactly what the word of God says. And Jesus declared in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, does that exclude anybody? He said, no one comes unto the Father except through me. That tells us something about that narrow gate. Who is that narrow gate? That's Jesus himself, amen. Jesus explained that he is the door. The door to the sheepfold. We're that sheep. We need to go through him to get into that sheepfold. We need to go through him to get onto that, that difficult way. God also tells us in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 21, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, listen to this. This is what I'm talking about. It's very cut and dry, very black and white. Thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Any confusion there? Anybody see a third way? Another way? Two ways. The way of life and the way of death. It's plain and simple. That is, in fact, without a doubt, that is very narrow, isn't it? That is very restrictive. That is unaccommodating. Why? Because it's truth. It's the word of God. Most people try to broaden the straight and narrow by saying, well, you're just too close-minded. But it's not what I think. It's not my opinion. I'm simply telling you what? What God says. Amen? This is what Jesus taught, and that is exactly what God declares in his word, the Bible. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Go down to verse 8. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this letter to the church at Galatia. 
He says, but even if we, he's talking about every pastor, every apostle, every preacher, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, meaning the gospel of Christ, let him be what? Accursed. Now that word accursed in the original Greek is the word anathema. And it literally means, let him be damned. Amen? That is how serious the Apostle Paul was. He said, if anyone else, if you preach any other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which comes out of the word of God, let him be damned. Let him be accursed. The Bible is telling us very clearly that the road to hell is any other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Plain and simple. That means there's a lot of ways to hell, isn't there? Only one way to heaven. The gospel of Christ. Every other gospel leads to hell. Leads you down that broad road. And to make that point, look at the very next verse. He says, as we have said before, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, the gospel of Christ, let him be accursed. He says it twice. Amen? That's how serious he is. The truth is, the Bible is a very narrow book. Why? Because it only contains truth, and it only contains fact. Truth is what? Very narrow, isn't it? One plus one is what? Two. And only two. Why? Because it's fact and it's truth. You can't have multiple answers for one truth. One plus one is always two and only two. The Bible is never watered down. The Bible is never compromised. It would be better for you to believe that 4 plus 4 is 10 than for you to compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Plain and simple. People don't like it when pastors or, or Christians are very narrow-minded about eternity, but they absolutely insist that everyone else be narrow-minded when it comes to their things and their stuff. You know, when they take a flight in the wintertime, they want their pilot to be very narrow-minded on his flight plan. They want to end up in Miami in January and not Detroit, Michigan. Amen? They want their pilot to be very narrow-minded on that flight plan. You know, they, when they uh, work every week and they have their direct deposit set up in their bank, they want their banker to be very narrow-minded with their direct deposit, don't they? They want their paycheck to go only in their account, not everyone else's. That's narrow-minded. When they go to the, uh, the, the pharmacy, they want their pharmacist to be very narrow-minded. Amen? When filling their prescription. They want to get in antibody and not arsenic, don't they? Right? They want everyone else in every other area of their life to be narrow-minded. But where it truly matters the most, we're talking about eternal life. When it matters the most, 
They prefer a broad view that says it just really doesn't matter. That is that accommodating way. That is that wide gate. Bottom line is that Jesus declares that there are only two ways. There are only two roads and we must decide. Amen? We must decide. He instructs, he says, enter. You enter by the narrow gate. Just by that instruction, that invitation, that means that we have the freedom to what? To decide. We have the freedom to choose. It's a choice. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you've been predestined, predestinated to hell or predestinated to heaven. God created us with a free will to choose. Amen? It's a choice. Otherwise, Jesus would have never said, enter in. You enter in. You enter by that straight gate. We can choose, and we must choose. Amen? Let me clarify something here. Now, this is going to sound confusing, so pay attention. We are free to do what we want, right? We are free to do what we want. But on our own, apart from God himself, we don't do what we should, right? Why? Because as a sinner, our wanter is broken. You catch that? Our wanter. Now, that is the technical scientific term. That means we always want what is wrong. We always want what is not good for us. Our wanter follows the flesh. Amen? We need the grace of God in our hearts to do what we should. We need the grace of God in our heart to do what we ought to do. The only reason that we can choose to do right is because he first chose us. Amen. And he chose us in Jesus Christ. So we are free to choose and we must choose. For he has chosen us, he has invited us, and he has said, whoever will may come. Whoever will may come. It's his his heart's desire for all of us to come. So we must decide. Second thing I want us to see is that we are forced to decide. We are forced to choose. Now, although we are free to decide, we are not free not to decide. Did I just confuse everybody? I'll say it again. Although we are free to decide, we are not free not to to decide. We must make a decision one way or the other. We can never wash our hands of Jesus Christ. Amen? The world will always say, you know, I'm just not ready to decide. Well, your decision not to decide is a decision. What have you chosen to do? You've chosen to continue to reject Jesus Christ. That is a decision. Matthew 12 Verse 30, Jesus puts it this way. He said, 
He who is not with me is what? Against me. Right? So indecision is a decision. If you're not with Jesus Christ, you are against him. We cannot stay neutral and think that we're okay. Neutral is rejection. Neutrality is rejection. The Bible gives us a great example of that in a man named Pontius Pilate. We've all heard of Pontius Pilate, right? Pontius Pilate tried to stay neutral. He wanted to let the people decide about Jesus' crucifixion instead of him. He wanted to wash his hands of Christ, be neutral, and just let the people decide. What happened? His indecision ended up being the worst decision of his life. Amen? Because indecision is a decision. So we are free to decide, and we are forced to decide. The last thing I want to close with, the last point is that our choice, our decision, has consequences. So we must decide, we are forced to decide, but we also have to understand that our choice has consequences. We are free to choose, we are not free not to choose, and we are also not free to choose the consequences of our decision. They're chosen for us, aren't they? Amen? We don't get to choose the consequences for a bad decision, do we? That'd be great if we could. I choose to jump off a 100-story building, but I choose to live. It's probably not going to happen, is it? Because we can't choose our consequences. So thinking about that 100-story building, right? If I decided to jump off the top of that 100-story building, I have the freedom to choose to jump. But when I make that choice, if that is the choice I make, having the freedom, the complete freedom to make that choice, once I make that choice, then I'm stuck. I am left with the consequences of that choice. I don't get to choose those consequences. I don't have the freedom to choose the consequences for my decision, bad or good. Now, today, there's a term that's thrown out a lot. We hear the term pro-choice. I want you to understand that this term is very deceptive. Amen? You hear people say, well, a woman will say, well, I have decided not to have this baby by way of pro-choice. Here's the problem. She already has a baby. It's alive in her womb. Amen? Her only decision is that she is choosing to kill or end the life of that baby. So when you hear that term pro-choice, it is very deceptive. Amen? When you hear a woman say, I've decided not to have this baby, that's a lie. You already have the baby. It's alive in your womb. So in closing, I just want to say this. There is a choice before us all. Jesus tells us very clearly here. He said there is a broad way, a broad road that is very accommodating. That road is socially acceptable. It's politically correct. It's an easy road. 
That's the road that most people choose, the majority of people choose to travel on. But he also says that that broad road, that broad way, is the way that leads to destruction, leads straight to hell. But then he says the second choice is the difficult way, that difficult road. You enter through that narrow gate. That road, that way is uncompromising. It's unaccommodating. It's narrow-minded. And there are very few that travel that road. And the sad fact is that is the road and the only road that leads to heaven. The only road that leads to eternal life. And he tells us here that everyone is free to choose, but we are not free not to choose, and we are not free to choose the consequences. And he's talking life or death of our decision. So we better choose carefully, amen? We better choose very carefully. I want to clarify something else here. We don't have to choose to go to hell on that broad way. As sinners, again, we're sinners by birth and by choice. As sinners, we're already on that broad way. Amen? We are already on that broad way. Years ago, I came across a a Bible tract. On one side of it, it said, what must I do to be saved? And underneath of it said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you flipped it over and it said, what do I need to do to be lost? And the rest of the card was, the rest of the track was completely blank. Why? Because there's nothing else that we need to do to be lost. We're already lost. Amen. We're already on that broad road. We're lost apart from Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus is inviting us. He says, telling all of us, you, I, enter by that narrow gate. He is that narrow gate. He's saying, come unto me, for I am that way. I am the truth. I am the way to eternal life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He's saying that choice is ours. That choice is yours. That choice is mine. No one else can make that choice for us. Just because mom and dad made their choice and went to church and took you to church when you were younger, that's not your choice. Because grandma and grandpa went to church every Sunday, that's not your choice. Amen? We all have to make that choice, and that choice is 100% ours. We're already on that broad road. That's why Jesus is saying, look, take that detour. Take that off-ramp. Take that exit on that narrow way that leads to life. I ask you this morning, which road are you on?